Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast show, a podcast that helps foster respect through inclusion, service, and equity. This is episode 10, and today Stacy is going to be talking with Michael Benning, the VP of Organizational Change Management at IPX, and they're going to be discussing connecting the dots, how Envision Rise evolved from IPX. Welcome to the Envision Rise podcast. In today's episode, we're having a crossover podcast with Envision Rise and the Institute for Process Excellence. I'm Stacy Hagerty. I am the Vice President of Equity and Inclusion for Envision Rise. And joining me today is Michael Benning. Hey, Stacy. I'm Michael Benning. As you know, I'm Vice President of Organizational Change Management here at IPX. All right, Mike. So this is fun because I don't often get to chit chat with my colleagues, especially the ones from IPX. So it's good to see you. Thank you for agreeing to do this with us. So we get a lot of questions, especially from people that know us as IPX, the Institute for Process Excellence. And now we have another organization in Vision Rise and people get a little confused. So let's start with the easy stuff. Let's have you give a little history about IPX and how organizational change management has grown into diversity, equity, and inclusion. Oh, wow. Okay. So you said a little, and I'll try to honor that. But uh, IPX goes back, of course, to the mid-1980s. And as effectively as we know it today is really an outgrowth of what was a DOD project to develop a methodology for managing changes in multiple configurations in highly complex systems, as you'd expect in, in DOD. Over time, in the 30 plus years that have evolved since then, that methodology has evolved into the CM2500 and 600 standards and is IP for IPX. And we continue to maintain those and help clients implement those and improve the way they manage their products and services. You know, and I think as we work with clients to implement CM2 standards and the improved ways of working, one of the key challenges that we help clients address is effectively transitioning to those new work processes. Oftentimes, that's the number one area where clients struggle is to really begin to work differently across functions and across the organization and is one of the biggest challenges they face to getting better. So for our listeners that normally tune in to hear me interview folks about diversity, equity, and inclusion, Mike just said a whole bunch of stuff that sounds like engineering and manufacturing. <laughs> so let's break it down even further. Mike, I know when you're working with clients on the IPX side of our organization, you're talking a lot with them about organizational change management, or as we refer to it, OCM. What is OCM? Well, OCM, maybe I'll back up just a little bit and talk a little bit about the problem. In a nutshell, change is hard. People want to get better. They want to improve. They want to make work processes work better. They, they want to see the organization perform better. Despite that, individuals tend to be resistant to change and would like to see others change and maybe not the way their individual pieces of the business work. So having said that, you know, I think how that translates and shows up is, you know, the best idea, the best new work process, the best concept is no guarantee of success. You know, if the best solutions and processes are not going to be implemented, if individuals in organizations are unwilling to change the way they work, then effectively it's all for naught. So, you know, OCM is just really about getting people on board with the idea of changing and what it means to them, what specifically needs to change and getting them to a place where they're owning it and leading the change, not just being a part of it, but actively leading it. 
And when IPX works with clients and specifically working with them through organizational change management, I know there's a lot of assessing that's done. There are a lot of conversations that happen throughout that entire process. And what has come out in assessments over the years with organizations has come from employees talking about things that aren't necessarily related to configuration management, change management in engineering or in manufacturing or some specific process within the enterprise. It sounds like some of the things, I know this to be the case, some of the things that came out had to do with the way that employees feel as whether or not they're included in their organization. Is that accurate? It is. It's a bigger problem, right? As we start to engage clients, oftentimes we find a disconnect between leadership and staff, you know, at some level of leadership. And oftentimes that disconnect shows up as staff just not being fully engaged, fully committed to either the goals of the initiative in particular or the larger vision and objectives of the larger organization. So, you know, sometimes it's viewed as maybe leadership having a short attention span and maybe not always following through on particular initiatives and being willing to invest for the longer term to see success. And sometimes it can be viewed as more negatively by the larger organization, right? That maybe there's a disconnect between leaders and what they say and what they do. And so these are all obviously going to have an enormous impact on the success of individual initiatives and the larger organization in general. And until those issues get addressed, it's very difficult for organizations to really move forward effectively. And that's where Envision Rise began. Joseph Anderson is the president of IPX and Envision Rise. And for a lot of years, this is something that he has really wanted to make sure became a part of our mission as IPX and Envision Rise and making sure that diversity is honored and that people do feel that they work for an equitable organization that is inclusive of people from all backgrounds. And that's really where this passion for the people part of people processes and tools began. So when we're talking about diversity, we're not necessarily just talking about the kind of diversity you can see walking through your factory, walking through your office that you can walk through and say, okay, I count this many women. I count this many people who are black. I count this many people who are brown. I count this many people who appear to be older than 50 or whatever. These aren't just check the box kinds of diversity. We're also talking about the diversity of ideas, the diversity of thought, that people with different backgrounds and different ways of thinking and ways of approaching problems and obstacles can really work together to create something better than exists today, something more innovative. But the only way that people do that is when they feel like they are valued for who they are and what they bring to the table so that they feel when they are invited in to discuss a work product issue that their viewpoints are going to be heard. That doesn't mean that everybody gets to be accepted for their opinions, but it does mean that people feel like they can offer insights that may differ from those of everybody else sitting around the table and feel respected and valued for what they bring. There's my little spiel for why DE&I really does relate to the business part of everything that we do every day, people, processes, and tools. 
The people drive the processes and the tools. If your people aren't feeling their best in the organization and feeling valued and respected, they aren't going to bring all of the best to the table that drives your processes, that drives your products, that drives your tools. Yeah, that's it, Stacey. It's really about getting everybody on board, everybody committed to the vision and the direction of the company. So let's talk about how weaknesses in the organizational change management process can really impact the business. And, you know, obviously for me, I'm thinking of it as weaknesses in how equitable a company is, how inclusive an organization, how diverse an organization, but there's more to it than that. So I'm going to let you talk a little bit about how those weaknesses can show up for an organization. Oftentimes, in the best case scenario, it can be, you know, an ineffective implementation of a particular initiative, which means, you know, it can be a short-lived initiative. It can be a very, you know, top-down driven implementation that's really not owned at the staff level and can ultimately result in, you know, passive resistance across the organization. You know, in both cases, you know, the overall objectives are certainly impacted and objectives not typically met. I like passive resistance because I think that really accurately describes what often happens in organizations that aren't functioning the way that they should, whether it's regarding OCM or if it's regarding equity and inclusion, that in my world within Vision Rise, most times, if you've got employees who are part of an underrepresented community who are not feeling valued, who are not feeling included, who feel like they were a token hire, something like that, they're probably not going to tell you. It's going to show up in ways that look like disengagement, in ways that look like maybe they need more training, when really what it is, is an equity and inclusion challenge that the company hasn't addressed yet. And many times when I'm working with the C-suite or executive leadership, I often hear that there's not an issue, that everybody's happy here, everybody is treated the same, we're all on equal footing. Do you hear that on the OCM side of the house too, Mike? For sure, for sure. And I think, you know, one of the things that I sometimes see, unfortunately, too often is maybe lack of willingness on the part of some leaders in organizations to engage. Sometimes it's a matter of getting over maybe a feeling of vulnerability that maybe there's a problem there. And if I don't ask, I won't have to address it. Asking implies some level of vulnerability for leaders, right? It's asking for help to improve. And unfortunately, you know, sometimes it's just a matter of leaders getting over that a little bit over themselves and being willing to ask the organization, how can we step up? How can we improve as leaders? I want to understand what you think, what the organization sees as gaps. And it's just comes down to a matter of asking and a willingness to ask. I think the other piece of that is not only asking, but being willing to hear the answers without immediately letting your walls go up, letting your defenses go up and decide that that answer is not valid because that employee is disgruntled or a problem employee or they're making it up or that's just their perception or that's not what we meant, that writing off the impact of something, whether it's a policy or a personal interaction that someone was harmed or offended by, saying that it wasn't our intent is not enough. You've got to look at the impact of what the process, what the interaction was. 
on the employee. And I think that that happens when we talk about process and change management in IPX. We talk about what happens when the creator does not take into account the user. And for Envision Rise, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about intent versus impact. Yep. And I think if I build on that, I think if there's something that's worse than leadership not asking for input and feedback from your organization, the thing that might be worse would be asking and then not acting. That can send a very strong and negative message to the organization. So let's talk a little bit about corrective action. That is something that we talk about a lot at IPX and the cost of corrective action to an organization. So let's hear about corrective action, Mike. Let's talk about the cost to an organization. And then I'm going to talk about that cost when it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion. I think if there's the biggest source of waste, right, the most wasteful of all the categories of waste would be corrective action, over-processing, right? It includes all the other categories of waste, inefficiency. Unfortunately, we preach this message an awful lot, right? There's always time to do something a second time because it's been uh, not done correctly the first time. But oftentimes we make excuses to not do things correctly, do it once and do it right. So it's an issue that we see, unfortunately, too often. And I know when we work with clients through IPX, a lot of times what we find is about 40% of time and resources and money are going to corrective action, which is an awful lot of time, energy, resources, money. And the same holds true when you're talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Think about the turnover that happens because someone doesn't feel a part of the organization. Regardless of the reason that they're not feeling included, people leave their jobs for those very reasons. People will stay and will grow and will bring a lot of energy and talent to an organization where they feel valued, where they feel included, where they feel respected. When people don't feel those things, they will leave. And when you look at the cost of just employee turnover, it can cost somewhere between six and 18 months of salary to fill a position, to get the person hired, to get them trained, to bring them up to speed, to get them working at the level where their predecessor was. So if you can do everything you can to keep your employees engaged and happy and feeling included, that's going to cut down on your intervention resources quite a bit before you even get to any of the other kinds of corrective action that happens. So having a robust diversity, equity, and inclusion culture within your organization saves you money. It saves you time. It saves you a lot of frustration. Studies also show that if you look at organizations within the same industry, the ones that are more diverse and inclusive do about 19% better on revenue than their counterparts that are less diverse and less inclusive. So there is a financial impact as well as a people impact and a resources impact. Yeah, indeed, Stacey. I think, you know, for me, you know, the opportunity to make a difference in the workplace, to be influential, to have an impact, provides a powerful sense of purpose. It absolutely does. Well, Mike, I don't have any other questions. Do you have any questions or anything else you'd like to share? Not for me. All right. Well, if anyone would like more information on Envision Rise, you can find us at envisionrise.com. 
If you'd like to find out more about the Institute for Process Excellence, you can find us at ipxhq.com. Thanks, Mike. Have a great day. Thanks, Stacy. You as well. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. Remember, diversity and inclusion should not be treated as a one-off initiative. And so with your help, we can get this message to more people. Subscribe, rate, and review the show and be a part of making a difference because it starts with you.